do you have any friends or anybody that you would, um, if you had a chance, you would suggest Save with Conrad to? Most definitely. I've been telling you for a long time that SaveWithConrad.com can save you money. Don't take my word for it. Teachers are always trying to save a buck. So if you're an educator out there and you're listening to this, you want to save some money and put that money back into your classroom, that's what I'm able to do now. You want to be able to your own, own your own house, teachers? This is the chance for you because you're going to strip so much debt that you're going to be free to be able to do whatever you want. I don't usually talk to people about mortgages and all that, but if they were ever to ask me about financial decisions, I'd send them your way, most definitely. Because if you can change my life, there's a lot more people out there. I'm just one starfish on the beach. You guys still have thousands and thousands of people that can that you can serve and help and change their lives as well. Man, thank you for saying that, Josh. That, that means so much. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you can skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! I had a chance to read an advanced copy of uh, Under the Black Hat when I took my trip uh, during Thanksgiving to Hawaii, and I, I, I couldn't stop reading it. It only took me like, I think about four hours, five hours to finish reading it. Of all the things that are in this book, the thing that struck me the most was how he was treated by the WWE and how he was treated uh, by the promotion when he went in for his surgery, when he had to go to the hospital. It's very revealing uh, behind scenes of the business and how the business reacts and, uh, to uh, something that happens to you on a personal basis. This is, without a doubt, one of the most revealing, one of the most insightful books I've ever read about the business. Under the Black Hat is available now on pre-order and available everywhere on March 31st. And I wholeheartedly suggest you be a part of this. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Brits. Bridges. Bridges. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. She pooted. What a rib. No, you have a big There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. It, it, it. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. <laughs> hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, welcome back to the show. So good to hear from you. Anything new going on in your world the last 10 days or so? Well, hey, man, I got to tell you about this because the other day, uh, I got some toilet paper. I thought that was fucking great, you know, uh, but nothing really, nothing new, kind of the same old, same old mundane uh, business as usual, dude. Yeah. How about you? You feeling good? Yeah, feeling good, looking good, ready for the day. And uh, really glad you were able to carve some time out. Dog, you all, but you always look good, you know. You know what I'm saying? Shit. I'm really excited that you're able to carve off a few minutes, given all that's been happening in the world lately. You know, just in the wrestling side of things, empty arena shows, canceling live events. 
WrestleMania doing the hokey pokey and the shuffle. Now we got two days and Gronkowski's hosting. Who knows what next week is going to look like, but we know that by God, we are here today and we've got a bunch of fun questions. We're going to fire them off. It's a hashtag ask Bruce anything. One of my very favorite episodes because we just get to shoot from the hip and cover a lot of ground. Bruce, we had nearly a thousand questions asked. There's no way we'll get to them all. We'll try to fit as many as we can. We're going to hit them rapid fire. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm going to cap it at three. Three questions? <laughs> That's it. Shit. All right. Well, let's, before so- we do that, let's do all of our commercials. Uh, <laughs> all right, here's Charlie Thrower. He says, not to break Cafe, but how good is Bray Wyatt? Ah, man. Absolute dream. He is a fabulous talent, fabulous human being. And one of those that you enjoy going to work to work with. Uh, he also has a few other good questions here. We hear about Taker being the locker room leader. Does that apply with female talent? If not, who is, or was the locker room leader for the ladies? That's an interesting question. I don't think I've ever seen it put together that way. You know what? Neither of neither have I. I, I would say that locker room leaders were locker room leaders and Taker was, you know, for back, let's call it, you know, in the back. Uh, and I think Taker was a leader for everyone. He, he didn't discriminate. And that was for women, men, and everyone in between. So there wasn't a separate, you know, we didn't have men's leader, women's leader. Gotcha. I think that uh, those that, that stepped up, they, they stepped up and, and they were good to go. Uh, in your opinion, what gimmicks from the past could work today as a reboot? Doink the clown. Yeah. Be fucking phenomenal. Uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's easier as you look back to, to say what wouldn't work. Like, I don't think brother love would work today. I, I don't think that in this PC climate in which we live that that kind of edginess. And he really wasn't that edgy. I mean, I guess when you look back, it might be a little edgy, but they were different times. I'm not sure that that could work today. And I'm not sure that people would gravitate so much to a, um, Papa Shango or even a, Definitely the the uh, I'm, I'm trying to get the fucking name out like the TL Hoppers and oh and the occupational gimmicks yeah occupational gimmicks some of the some of those some of them would work frankly and some of them still it's it's funny when people critique that but then you look out on the independents and you've got people that portray a lot of different uh, you know I mean good God could you imagine you know a dentist gimmick and things like that Dr Isaac Yankum that but it it could work. I love you for that. Let's keep it moving here. Uh, another fun question. Last one from Charlie this week. He writes, uh, who has the bigger fear? Yoko of caskets, Andre of snakes or Bruce of pickles. Oh God. Bruce of pick. I, it's not a fear. It's a hatred. <laughs> it's like, I'm not afraid that a pickle's going to attack me or anything. I just don't want to smell it, see it or touch it. Yeah. It's funny because uh, a lot of the uh, barbecue places in Alabama, they will bring you like, uh, they'll put sauce on the, on your order. If you get a plate as they call it. And then over in the corner, sometimes they'll put like some coleslaw, like maybe a half a scoop or something. And then a couple of pickles is like garnish almost. And even though you would say no pickles, occasionally they would put pickles on yours straight in the trash. Yeah. Done. 
It's disgusting. Now, as a matter of fact, my son and I went out to eat the other day and got an Italian sub. Now, you read everything that's on the sub, and it tells you everything that's on it. One thing it doesn't say that's on it is pickles, and there were no pickles on the sub itself. However, being an Italian deli, man, they brought out a fucking pickle spear on the side of the plate. And I immediately like took my fork and flicked it off onto Kane's plate. And now his reaction was fear. Like, oh my God, oh my God, touch my shit. Wait, he hates pickles too? He's not fond of them. So wait a but minute. Then, you but then you have on. to get the napkin and you have to soak up all the juice of the pickle. Oh. It's gross, man. Pickle juice is gross. There's nothing good about pickles. I don't know. They why should be, they should be outlawed. Uncle Jesse writes in, do you think when Vince McMahon eventually passes away, hopefully a hundred years from now that he would want it turned into a storyline somehow? Wow. That's, that's a good one. Probably not. No, I think that Vince would in Vince's mind. I bet you that he would probably just want to go away and have everything go on without missing a beat. Uh, mayhem writes in on the rare occasions, maybe a family vacation. Is there a time when Vince isn't thinking about business? What does he do for fun? Does he have a hobby? Does he collect anything? What non-business subject would Vince ever talk about? Loves to work out. Get a pump on. Yes, you do, sir. And by I say, what a pump you've got. It's funny then, because you guys have nothing in common, you and him just wrestling. Oh, working out. (laughs) (laughs) Michael. He's a a normal goddamn human being. Yes. I mean, you know, you talk about football. You talk about just Uh, shit in general. There you go. Uh, WrestleMania is three nights now. We'll be right back. Okay. Hold on. All right. We're back. Uh, Bruce's agony continues. Um, what agony? It's all great. It's a beautiful life, man. How I, outside the trees are brown. The grass is brown. Not there. The shrubs are shriveled up. Fucking a. <laughs> Mike Eldridge writes in hindsight being 2020. Does Bruce think it might've been a mistake to end the undertaker's WrestleMania streak? Wow. I actually had this conversation the other day and let me answer it this way. Would I have done it? No. In hindsight, being 2020, do I think it was the right call? Yes. Really? For business, for business purposes, um, for the story, for everything else. Yeah, man. I, I agree with it, but I don't necessarily, had I been the one to be making that call. I, I don't know that I would have made that call. Another one, another fun one here from Eldridge. What are Bruce's, uh, creative minds on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling? So creative, we've often heard about in ring this past week on, uh, or earlier this week, Arn Anderson named sort of a tag team Mount Rushmore, at least from his perspective. What about creative minds? Uh, Vincent Pat. Sure. At the top of the list. Um, 
I think those are the two everybody automatically assumes are there, Vince and Pat. Who are three and four, do you think? You know, you have to go back to the fundamentals in many ways of the business. And Eddie Graham was credited with so much that you look at Dusty, you look at Bill Watts, you look at the guys that, that came out of there. And Eddie Graham, they, they point to Eddie Graham and Roy Shires as being these creative geniuses that that had so much influence over bookers and over owners of territories throughout the years. So um, you I think Eddie would have to be on that. So you got Graham on there. You got Vince on there. You got Pat on there. Is the fourth spot going to Paul Heyman or somebody else? I think somebody else. I think that, um, Paul is, is one of the most creative people. It's that's where it gets hard because there are so many deserving, uh, minds from, from Bill Watts, from Roy Shire, from, uh, you know, Gary Hart, Fritz von Eric. There's dusty uh, in the, in the talk, in the conversation. Dusty, fuck. Yeah. Dusty's in the conversation. Um, and, and to that, I, I think that from a creative point of view, Dusty, you know, I'll give Dusty that nod because as flamboyant and as crazy as the things that Dusty did and people look back and poo poo and shit on the Dusty finish and some of the things Dusty did in later years, when you get to the vision and you get to the, we make a movie, baby. Uh, you got to write a book here. And let's get funky. And, and here's where we're going. I think that Dusty would just, would be up there. So probably Eddie, Dusty, Vince, and Pat. Uh, and I think that as far as, uh, I think Vince is as close to genius. You know, he's the Walt Disney of our time. Um, and I think Pat Patterson is one of the most intuitive and, and, and innovative people I've ever, ever met in my entire life. And, and three of those guys I got to work with. So that comes from experience and Eddie Graham on reputation alone and influence. Another one here from Eldridge during Andre, the giants documentary, when asked about Andre's death, Vince was clearly emotional about it. What other wrestler deaths affected Vince in a major way? I think anybody that he touched, he, he definitely has been affected. The, the you go back and people like Eddie Guerrero and just the any, anyone, Owen Hart, the, the guys that, that were gone when they were with us, that was just highly emotional because it's part of your family. And we travel so much together. We do everything together that when you lose a brother or a sister, it's, it's devastating. It's, it's very emotional. Andre and Vince were the same age mm. and they were very close. Andre had that history with his father and continued on with Vince. And I don't think that they were, I don't think that they had completely reconciled when Andre left. So I think that hit Vince even more so, but they all hit hard. I, you know, it just, it, it just really, 
It really depends, and, and it sucks because it is a fraternity and it is a family. Sometimes you may be fighting with a brother or sister. It doesn't hurt any less when you lose them. Well put. I, I don't think I ever really put together that they were close in age. Vince is only nine months older than Andre, which is crazy to think about. Somebody else who left us early, last one from Eldridge here. Would the late Gina Hernandez have ever been a star in the WWF? God, I feel like I've answered this a gazillion times. I think that Gino would have been a huge star in the WWF. And had Gino been alive and been in a good place mentally, emotionally, that Gino Hernandez was the million dollar man. And I dare say that. You know, we have the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, to compare to, and DiBiase played that character to the hilt. He lived the gimmick. He was the gimmick and will forever be the million-dollar man. He took that role, and he he made it his own, and a lot of people would probably argue there's not another guy that could have done as well as Ted did. To me, the one guy is Gino Hernandez could have done it to perfection because that's how he lived his life in real life. And it's, it's what I drew upon for the million dollar man vignettes and the characters we developed it over the years. Gino was the million dollar man and Gino would have flourished in, in that environment. Mike Whitaker has a fun question. Uh, why did they stop dropping the hand three times when someone passes out? That's a UFC thing, got, thing, is it not? Like just pe- it evolved and people like the way yeah. UFC, when it became more popular, now the audience was sort of conditioned to understand that the referee would make a call and maybe they would ask them and if they didn't respond, they would. Um, but I think when the popularity grew of the UFC, people just understood what tap out and things like that were, whereas maybe once upon a time, that wasn't the case. I agree. And it's just evolution, especially the, the old spot where you raise the hand and it drops dead. Sure. You raise it a second time and it drops dead. You raise it a third time. Oh, no more. I got one more. No, 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 no. Um, so yeah, that has been eliminated. I think, thank God, because it was a little hokey, but it was a staple. I loved it. What's one hokey to me. I think it's awesome. You're from Alabama. Sure. Uh, let's keep it going here. Bill Dizzle wants to know hashtag Rick roots dong or hashtag. She pooted. Which one's your favorite Bruce? Hmm. You know, I didn't realize early on when we started this, you, you think about it, man. You think about when we started this thing in 2016. Yeah. And we did shows, and and you brought up uh, the anatomy of the late Rick Rude. (laughs) And were asking me questions about his anatomy, (laughs) to which I did not have answers. (laughs) Little did I know then that there was a fascination by you and by other... Me? fans. Well, you're the one that asked me Well, in fairness, even, even Sean Waltman, great friend of the show had a little Intel on hashtag. Yes, no, I get that, but, then, but then you continued on 
Well, people want to know. Damn, we did a whole we did a whole show on Val Venus. <laughs> we didn't talk about his dog one time. Yes, we did. No, we didn't. Did. Didn't. Did. Not it. Did too. So, so anyway, I you know, I mean that that's just but she pooted. I, I can't remember laughing harder <laughs> to where we couldn't even talk. And then when we would try to talk, we would just laugh harder. And and that was some fun because she pooted. Wait a minute, what was that? Hang on, roll that back a little bit. I think I heard something. <laughs> it ah, is without question. Ah. <laughs> she pooted. Wait a minute. Do the noise again. Huh? Do the noise. What the? Ah, ah. They were like, she put it. This is more like a. This is the best. Chris Rutherford wants to know, just rewatch the Daniel, my Daniel Bryan. Easy for me to say WrestleMania 30 payoff. The monster video package was one of the very best I've ever seen. Bruce, what is the biggest, loudest WrestleMania payoff you've witnessed? Um, what are your top three? If you have time. So your biggest WrestleMania pop, your biggest WrestleMania moment celebration. What is that? Do you think? Holy shit. Um, 14 with Austin. Could be, I mean, that was one of those. Just everybody wanted it. They they knew what was going to happen. They were so happy when it did. Um, this is not a WrestleMania thing, but one of the, the craziest was after Toronto with Hulk when we went to Montreal and that sustained like 14-minute pop Yeah, was that was unbelievable. That was one of the craziest things I've ever witnessed live. That was just like, holy shit. And that was pretty cool. Mr. JB 79 says, since returning to the company, have you had any funny, awkward, or heated situations slash conversations over anything you or Conrad have discussed on the show? No, my destiny writes, what is the most ridiculous piece of misinformation you've ever read in a dirt sheet? The title Wrestling Observer. Yeah. That's probably a lie too. I mean, there basically, as long as you go into reading anything written by Dave Meltzer, and you go into it knowing that it is purely fiction and that it is one man's opinion that he got information from some other person and makes shit up, then you know I think you're pretty good. But I, I and being being in where I'm at now and just, um, let me give everybody a peek. You look, you look back when you look back on things that you were a part of that it's just, just incorrect and, and wrong. And for whatever reason, and they'll defend themselves to death. They always will. And they will always say, Oh, we researched it and we're journalists and everything. Uh, I happen to disagree with that. And I just think that you have to take, that with a grain of salt since you've been a very small grain of salt, not like coarse ground, sea salt or anything like that. It's like the little fine Morton salt, but run it, you know, after you run that through a grinder and basically get down to powder and you get that one little tiny bit of grain of salt. Every now and again, since you've been back, you would, uh, be, you would see something. 
and then you would call me and just in a fit of rage, these motherfuckers are liars. This is such bullshit. I can't believe anybody would pay money for this. And I'm like, wait a minute. What are you talking about? You're goddamn dirt cheap buddies. And I would say, well, hang on. What did they say that wasn't true? Well, I can't tell you, but fuck. <laughs> and hearing you just so frustrated, uh, at, you know, that something is, is inaccurate, but there's not no, in, no inaccurate tells you that, that part of it's right, but it's a little inaccurate. It's, it's somewhat wrong. Just making up blatant lies and making up blatant fantasy shit. And that's fine to do that. Preface it with, this is what I think, or this is what I believe might happen versus, oh, this is what they're doing. Well, the other thing that's fun too, is I'll always say, why are you reading it? Just stop looking for it. And, okay. And you say, I, I, I don't, don't look for they it. They send it to me. I don't. <laughs> you get so frustrated. And then thanks for listening. I have to go. Bam. Yeah. Yes. Cause people send me this shit and I needed to tell somebody who liked him that this is bullshit and I have to leave right now. But what was bullshit? I can't tell you. Goodbye. Okay. That's our life now. Uh, Danny writes said during the Randy Savage episode, you said you met your wife at a company softball game. Did your wife work for the WWF? No, she didn't. She was best friends with someone that did. Oh, other great question here from my destiny. Is there a product you've advertised on the show that you wish you hadn't? Um, Hmm, man, that penis extender. That was the one. Was it not? That was a what? Ge- yeah, but people need that. Yeah, it was a fun. It was a fun read. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like the one that somebody the the jack off one that oh, somebody stop using your hand. It was funny because you and I had fun with it. Meanwhile, stupid ass Matt Coon, he tried to do like a serious read, and it's like, yeah, dude, you're talking about jack off machines. You should at least be able to have fun with this. Yes, uh, come on, Scott O'Brien. Well, that's right what it's all about. By the way, if you'd like for us to show your stupid product, uh, email hey, hey, advertising at gmail.com and our man uh, Dave Green will hook you up. Scott O'Brien writes, Bruce, oh, God damn it. WrestleMania is over four. No- and we're back. Uh, let's get to it here. Scott O'Brien writes, Bruce, what were the plans for Eddie Guerrero for WrestleMania 22 had he not died? Rumor in innuendo was he was supposed to face Shawn Michaels. You think they would have torn the house down? I think Sean and Eddie definitely would have torn the house down. Um, two, they, two of my personal favorites. So there was talk of that. We weren't that far along yet, but yes, there was talk of that. It would have been awesome by the way. Yeah, it would have been because there were not two better, just storytellers in the business. Well, something else that's awesome these days is rad power bikes. They've been getting a ton of great press. They were just voted best affordable electric bike in five categories by electricbikereview.com. And they're the largest electric bike brand in North America. Now, if you're not familiar with what an electric bike is, it's basically a cross between a traditional bike and a moped. And what makes rad power bikes so unique is that these e-bikes are affordable and built for every purpose, whether it's commuting, getting out in nature, even transporting your kids around town. I'm a big fan of this. You got to take a look at this. I think you're going to be into it. Uh, stop what you're doing and check out rad power bikes. 
And if you want a new way to commute or just get around the city or get out in nature, even take the kids along, you've just got to try rad power bikes. Now, again, this is a combination between like a traditional bike and a moped, but it doesn't require a special driver's license. Like maybe a moped would, you can go up to 20 miles an hour without pedaling. So you can get out and about without getting all sweaty. It's very affordable. Bikes start at 1200 bucks and all of them are under 1500. Other e-bikes that have some of these same features, they'll run you three grand by the time you're done filling up your buggy. These are great for commuting. You can get out on the trail. You can haul your groceries, even take the kids out. And to show appreciation for those that service, Rad Power Bikes is offering $100 off all e-bike purchases for active or slash ex-military, all the first responders, the teachers, and the students. They've even got a dedicated U.S.-based customer support team seven days a week to answer any questions. And this is going to be an awesome gift for someone who loves being active or the outdoors. And right now, Rad Power Bikes is offering flexible financing for as low as 0% APR. That's right, 0% APR. And for a limited time, you can get a free accessory with the purchase of a bike. That's right. Get a free gift up to $100 in value and free shipping to the lower 48 states. And to get this special offer, just text the word BRUCE to 64000. That's BRUCE to 64000. Text B-R-U-C-E to 64000. That's BRUCE to 64000. And get this special offer today from Rad Power Bikes. Hot takes, hot cakes, writes Bruce. Years ago, you offhandedly said on a show that former Astro Jeff Bagwell was a huge prick, but you never really elaborated. I've been waiting for a follow-up story ever since. Um, it's not a personal story. It's, it's a friend of mine that just, uh, had a really bad experience with him and shared it. And I just always heard that he was not a very nice person. Sean Cusack writes, why are there any referees in the WWE hall of fame and who would you choose to be the first? I would probably put, uh, Danny Davis in first. I'd put Joey Morella in and, uh, of course the Hebners libertarian Rob writes, is there any truth to the rumor that, Oh shit. I'm sorry. I, I missed one big one. Dick Kroll from New York. He won the old original New York referees, horrible referee. Great guy though. And was a like forever in, in New York and, and everywhere he, he tried, he's one of the, he traveled the country on vacation with referee in different spots. Libertarian Rob writes, is there any truth to the rumors that Ken Shamrock was not going to do the job for Owen Hart in the dungeon match? So you had to take Ken out back and slap him around for a bit. I know that was Bruce Reed, Butch Reed did that. Uh, damn Fucking stupid. What? Dude, you're a three-time karate black belt hall of famer. I know you're right. Good point. I just assumed that was a legit question. You know, it's not like Shamrock. He may be the world's most dangerous man, but that's one time you're a three-time, three-time, three-time karate black belt hall of famer. Am I right? That is true. Well, my apologies. Dan Robinson writes in, uh, memories of when Vince had Jonathan coachman arrested for running a fantasy football league. Is it true that we had him arrested? Well, no, I mean, what are your memories of it? They've told the story on the network before and drew it in cartoon form where Vince had a cop come in and arrest him and the whole deal. So you need a, you need a football pool. Everybody needed a football pool and coach volunteered to do it. So his coach was doing it and coach was busting his ass, man, getting everybody in the pool and getting every, everything that needed to be done so that those that wanted to be in it could be in it and what have you. So <laughs> just bo- busting coaches balls, 
we said, wouldn't it be funny if I said, you know, uh, gambling's illegal. Wouldn't it be funny if we just had him arrested? And it's, it just, this started me and Jerry Briscoe just bullshitting. And Briscoe goes, yeah, why don't we get him arrested? So there were a couple cops. We're in North Kakalaki, and we're coming down the the escalators there. And there were two cops sitting there. So Jerry starts talking to the cops and says, hey, guys, uh, would you help us out? And Jerry comes up with this fucking idea. We go to Vince and say, hey, uh, we're doing this football pool. What the fuck is a football pool? You're going swimming? Why? I don't get it. Football shaped pool. Um, he goes and, and says, "Yeah, go ahead and do it." So and then everybody starts putting their two cents in, and like we literally set up a this elaborate deal for them to go and excuse me, Jonathan Coachman, and yeah, you're under arrest, and um, hey man, we're not gonna trying to be discreet. We're not going to embarrass you or anything like that. And, uh, out of respect to Mr. McMahon, you know, we'll, we'll let you get be cuffed in front, not with your hands behind your back or anything, but we have to cuff you because you're a criminal. And they take him into, into Vince's office or in Vince's like in a meeting and shit. And he's like, yeah, what's going on here? And Police do their thing. And Vince is like, God damn it, I'm trying to produce a television show here. And in the middle of goddamn doing it, I've got, I've got you doing you're 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 doing what? A fucking football pool. And um just went off on coach. And coach is shaking, I mean, almost in tears. And they start to take him out. Wait a minute. God damn it. You can't take him out like that. And throws like a, a, a napkin, a, a linen napkin at him to put over the cuffs so people don't see that he's cuffed in front. And coach thinks that when Vince yells, like, get back here, that he's going to get him off the hook and Vince is going to save him. And he just was putting a napkin on top of his cuffed so that you wouldn't see that he was cuffed in front. So they take him out, load him in. And now everybody, you know, like everybody's kind of in on it. And so they're watching and they're watching coach. You know, he's, he's doing the perp walk down the hall and everybody's like looking and whispering. Oh my God, coach is being arrested. I, I don't know. I, I heard he was fucking selling drugs or I heard he was doing this. I heard he had a prostitution ring. No, no, no. It was a football, pool. a football pool. Yeah. Gambling and a hooker ring. And yeah, <laughs> just, I mean, all this shit. So everybody's whispering and talking and shit. And they back the, they back the fucking squad car up to the very back door and they put him in the back. They hit the, hit the lights and go. And they they drive up and they turn left and all this stuff. And the one guy gets on the phone and says, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, no, no, no. We, we're not that far. We can turn around. We can come back. Yeah. Okay. And they and he says, yeah, we just, we, we've got to go back and uh, get one thing straight. We've got to get a comment from somebody or whatever the hell they said. And the cops turn around and come back. And when they pull down, everybody is out. 
to see coach <laughs> when he comes back in the squad car and they let him off the hook. Fun stuff. It, it was classic. Creating heat wants to know any good one man gang stories. You know, gang is one of the nicest individuals you would ever want to meet. What you, what you picture when you look at the one man gang, when you had the, the head shaved and the tattoos and everything, and just a big, mean, nasty son of a bitch could not have been more opposite of the human being, George Gray, who is just one of the nicest, kindest, gentlest people you would ever want to be around and uh, just a wonderful man. But, um, George, we went, and this is just a funny story with him that he traveled with Eddie Gilbert and shit. And we were in, we were in Tulsa. No, we were in Oklahoma city. So we were doing TV and normally we did it in Tulsa. And then every couple of weeks we do it in Oklahoma city. So we had finished up in Dallas. We go in, we're in Oklahoma city. We were going to go back to Tulsa that night, but we were going to stop at a bears. I believe it was a bears, uh, steakhouse in Oklahoma city. And it was this, Oh my God, you know, everybody would, would promo about how great a bears was a great steakhouse It's a Lebanese steakhouse. And you had to go through the whole rigmarole of everything they bring out. They bring out the tabbouleh. They bring out all this other shit. And then they bring out an assortment of appetizers before you get your steak and shit. And one of those appetizers is fried bologna, like big, thick pieces of, of fried bologna. And Eddie Gilbert and I, and I think Fergie was with us. I think Keith the Libyan was with us. And... We're eating it, and it's like, oh, goddamn, man, this, this this bologna is great. And I just remember George looking at it and goes, I don't know. I came to to this great Lebanese steakhouse, this super fucking great food and this great steak, and they're serving us bologna. <laughs> and it was just just the way he said it, the, the whole they're serving us bologna part of it was absolutely classic. And I can't hear you. It's tremendous good stuff mark labelle writes in has vince mcmahon ever expressed an interest in returning to commentary for a special one night only type of thing no god damn pal uh david mcclay writes in what uh what's up why was king of the ring scrapped as a major pay-per-view after 2002 i think that when you looked at the pay-per-view schedule overall and you looked at what the weakest pay-per-view was it was king of the ring and it may have had something to do with the time of year during the summer that things didn't always draw that well. And thought, let's do something else. Let's do something different. Wasn't and the tournament plus, concept maybe that wasn't a hit? Did Vince not like tournaments? Yeah, Vince doesn't care for tournaments. And, you know, even though we've done many in different incarnations over the years, not a big fan of tournaments. But it's just, I think it didn't run its course. Great friend of the show, Efren writes in, do you still call him, sir, Vince, Mr. McMahon? And have you ever called him a name? He told you to never, ever call him again. Hmm. We get that question a lot. Like for Eric, people want to know, do you call him Hulk or Terry? And Eric says, well, 
Kind of both. It depends. Yeah. It depends on the setting. It depends on the situation. Is that the same answer for Vince? Yeah. It's usually, it'll, you know, when I greet him, it's like, you know, hey, Vince, but I'll, I, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. Sure, of course. But I do that. I do that with you. I do I, that with everybody. Just, That's just the way I was raised. Growing up in the South, baby. Right. And uh, I think one of the funniest things was when I called him Blue Boy because he was where he was wearing like blue shorts and a blue shirt and blue like uh, athletic socks that had blue tops to him and blue shoes. And Pat Patterson and I were outside at the house and we saw him from afar and he was trying to find a glass in the kitchen in this big, huge house in Florida. And I'm doing commentary as dusty narrating him trying to find the glass because he didn't know where anything was. None of us did because it's like our first time there. And he's opening up all these cabinets and saying, well, look at him. Blue boy ain't got a clue where he is. Ain't got a clue. He just, he just wants a glass. Something to have some cool, cool water. Maybe put a couple ice cubes in and have, have some fine scotch put over the top of it. But Blue Boy's a little confused right now. And for the rest of that trip, he was Blue Boy. <laughs> Blue Boy! This Blue Boy, I'm talking to you. Yeah, I, I don't think we ever told him he was being called Blue Boy, but uh, I, I know I did it to his face, and I just don't know that he knew I was referring to him. All right, Bruce, we need to run a timeout right now and tell everybody about our favorite thing to talk about on this show that you've already established. Men's penises, but this time we're not going to talk about hashtag Rick Rude's dong. We're going to talk about your dong. You see, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Remember when you were always ready to go? I know Bruce does. He was at Heartbreakers every chance he could get. And he's the reason they don't have tablecloths there anymore. But that's a story for another day. Now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue on SmackDown tonight. And BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. But because they're chewable, you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full or empty stomach. And because it's chewable and not a pill, it can work up to twice as fast. So if you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, if you're looking to put on a five-star performance, well, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. We should remind you, Blue Chew is prescribed online by physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at a pharmacy. And it ships right to your door, all in a discreet package. Now, it's made in the USA, and because Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And best of all, no more awkwardness. And right now we've got a special deal for our listeners. Just visit bluechew.com and you get your first shipment for free when you use our promo code wrestle, just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E C H E W.com. The promo code is wrestle and you get to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And Bruce, we made it through that entire thing without talking about anybody else's penis. Do you think Batista? has any answers to our questions about blue chew. Get your dick hard. Yeah. Do it right now. Bluechew.com. Use that promo code wrestle to try it for free. Just pay $5 shipping. Dismal abysmal right sense. Did anybody know what Steve Austin was going to say in the debut of the ringmaster on the brother love show? And did he catch any shit for doing a takeoff of Dusty's reach out and touch my hand hard times promo? 
it wasn't a hard times promo. It was goddamn fucking uh, Robert Tilton shit and uh, Oral Roberts promo. And I knew what Steve was going to say. Uh, no one else did. I had a I had a pretty good idea of exactly what Steve was going to say, and he asked me if he could do it. And originally, I was told don't let him talk, and that he was not to talk. But I liked what he had to say, and I thought he did a great job of it. But it was a it was an Oral Roberts promo. Were Isaac Yankum, Jean Pierre Lafitte, and Hakushi brought in with the express purpose of keeping Bret Hart's character busy during the Diesel year? It didn't feel out of place at the time, but looking back. From the time that the WWF decided to go with Brett, they put the belt on Hogan, then on Yoko for a year, then pushed Lex hard, then put the belt on Diesel for a year, and then transitioned over to Sean. My question is, do you think Vince was never really behind Brett as quote unquote, the guy? No, we definitely, we were behind Brett as the guy. And I think that when you look at all of those guys that you mentioned, Maybe with the exception of Pierre, except Ben Porea, come and get it, man. That was a strong fucking angle. You steal the man's jacket. Oh, God. And they're going to be fucking hot. Oh, no. Hey, okay, hang on. Let me let me throw this. Let me let me let me put it in terms maybe you can understand. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. How, who's one of them, uh, them uh, Abalama football players? Who, who's like a big one there? That Nick Sabian or whatever his name yeah, is. What's that guy's Nick, name? Nick Sabian's a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Nick Sabian. Is he Tim's brother? Yes. Okay. So now let's say that, that, uh, Nick had a jacket, uh, an Alabama. Would he have a letterman's jacket? Yes. He's probably got one for every year. He started for Alabama. Okay. So what if somebody from. I don't know, the great state of Texas, University of Texas. Let's say they stole that jacket. Right. Nick would be hot, wouldn't he? No, he'd just get another one. No, he'd be hot because he earned that jacket, did he not? Yeah, but he's a wealthy, independent millionaire, so he's good. Yeah, but 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 forget about wealth. When you earn something, it means a lot more than just when you're giving shit. And, and he actually earned those jackets, and you'd probably be pretty damn proud of them. Are you trying to talk to me like I was Kane right now? about earning things. Okay. Uh, in 1990. Okay. Kane, if you're listening, uh, this is a hidden message here, <laughs> but no serious Kane. business. Vince was never really behind Brett for real. Was he? Yeah, he was hundred percent. But this, I mean, he does make a great point here that, um, it felt like, Hey, we needed in order for Sean to get over, we need Brett to go away in order for diesel to get over. We need Brett to be busy with these other guys. And then when you do put the belt on Brett, you can't wait to put it on Hogan and then Yoko for a whole year. See, and again, first thing you said was for Sean to get over, we need Brett to go away. That was Brett's idea. That wasn't Vince's idea. But we, we weren't really crazy about Brett going away because we felt we needed him. And it was Brett's idea to go away to help get Sean over that. That was Brett. And I thought it worked. I thought it was, I thought that, Everything that Brett did in that was was great. And Brett's sole purpose was to help get Sean over. Now, when you look at the, the three that you named from Jean-Pierre Lafitte, uh, the dentist, and Hakushi, when we had done the tour of Japan, Hakushi, you know, none of us, when I say none of us, myself, Pat, uh, we had not seen Hakushi in person. We, the way he was described to us, and now I saw a video of him, 
where he is an ungodly tremendous worker. But he was working with smaller guys and all the pitches were about this great program he would have with the undertaker. So I'm thinking he's got to be a big guy. Right. Love the look. But Brett was going to get him first. And the idea was bring in this killer from Japan for Brett. And he was not as seasoned as I think we were led to believe. I thought he was great, but it just, it was kind of hard to sell with Sato and, me oh, tell JJ, <laughs> they put the coffee creamer in my, uh, in my uh, pancake. <laughs> I tell JJ, JJ going to be hot. And uh, so it just didn't, you know, just, for whatever reason, they didn't quite get over. Um, with Glenn and uh, the dentist, it was to be able to have a big monster for Brett to slay and also to see if there were any legs with Glenn Jacobs. So it wasn't, oh, goddamn, we're just, we thought going into them that they would be bigger than they actually were. And I don't think that any of that was Brett's fault. In Except for the jacket thing. I'd been hotter if someone took my jacket. In 95, Sid was briefly billed as Psycho Sid with a capital P before becoming Psycho Sid with a capital S. Between the name and the familiar sounding ring music, did the company get any pushback from Universal Studios? No, not at all. Why the change from P to S? Because Vince think, likes I, S. He likes... Yes. Yeah. And, and we knew that we wouldn't, you know, we looked at it as we don't want to find out if we're going to get any pushback. So let's just change it on our own. Tony flowers writes in, what was the happiest day in your wrestling career so far for me? Yeah. I would probably say the, that's a loaded question, but I think from a professional standpoint, from a character and from a, a performer standpoint, I would say doing the, the first Saturday night's main event that I ever did with Hogan and slick and, and all that, that was, that was like a dream come true to be on network television and be with the biggest guy in the, in the business at the time. Um, I don't know. I've had, you know, it's when you are a part of a team and you're part of creating something that is larger than life. When Vince McMahon can walk into your office on a Thursday and say, Hey, I want to ring on wall street at noon on Tuesday. And we're going to do matches when in the history of wall street, it had never been closed down before. Um, and to pull that off, that's one of those you sit back and go, fuck, how the hell did we do that? But we did it to put a ring in Times square and have matches and have a public workout. You know, we did that. And th those, those are the type moments that when it's all said and done and you, you sit back and you look at it and you go, holy fuck, I was a part of that. That's pretty cool. Or when you throw out a stupid idea, a crazy idea, next thing you know, um, it's larger than life and it came out of your mouth, in your head, just thinking out loud. 
So there are quite a few of those, but those, those obscure moments of being able to, you know, Penn station and and shit like that. Those were pretty cool moments. David Martin writes in, what's the biggest change in the company since Bruce's latest return from quote unquote hiatus compared to his last run? Oh God, it's, it's a completely different company. It's just so much more professional and just so much more, um, you know, it's, it's corporate, it's, it's big, it's, it's a, uh, it's a monster and it always was, but at the same time, it's just bigger, nicer. And, and, um, I don't know, it makes you kind of makes you proud when people used to talk about you're in the wrestling business and look down their nose at you. And now when you say, oh, I'm with WWE and they, oh my God, and they, they know all about it. And it's, um, look, I'm proud of the business. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the company and it's pretty cool to be a part of it all. Um, so the, the biggest change is when I went back and I remember the offices one way and then you go back and the offices that you see in movies, you know, with the big boards and shit moving and state of the art technology around every corner. Um, that's what it is now. And, it, and it's just the way that it's grown. And that's amazing to me. No, that is cool. Uh, Mr. William writes in after MSG, what is the next most popular venue to go to? Well, MSG is not popular for me. I'll tell you that. Um, well, in terms of, you know, when people talk about iconic venues, is there one that guys look forward to or is held in high regard? Obviously if, if MSG is number one, because that's Vince's favorite and it's the home of the WWE, is there a number two? And if so, uh, why is it in Chicago? Well, actually I was going to say probably right now, it'd probably be Barclays, uh, just because Barclays is a really neat atmosphere and it's, it's in that New York market, but Chicago is Chicago's up there as well. Uh, this also for Mr. William, if Russo never left in 99, how long do you think he would have lasted before burning out? And now, and the, by the way, I know we're going to get some hate tweets on that, but me and you've talked about this before that any sort of quote unquote head booker, they're going to have burnout, you know, the, the stress and pressure and grind, you know, back in the day, I think there used to be like a rule of thumb that guys were in that job for a year or nine months or whatever. And then they need to take a break. Uh, Russo has wrote about the fact that he was burning out, especially now doing raw and SmackDown. Had he stuck around that thing would have came to a head eventually he had to, right? Well, I don't know. Um, a lot of people have done it a lot longer. So, you know, there's guys that have only done it for two years and there's guys who've done it for 10 years. There's guys who've done it for 20 years. Um, so I, what the hell was the question? Do you think Vince Russo would have burned out? He did burn out. Sean, he's, admi- he's admitted himself. You know, he had a two year run and, and had a, had some success during that time. Renaccio writes, how would iron Mike sharp handle this, uh, COVID-19 pandemic? Would he ever leave the shower? God, I don't think he'd ever like, I think he would buy a bubble. He would buy a bubble with hot water and soap. Because there's not enough toilet paper that he could have fucking, I mean, dude, his half of his bag was full of toilet paper. Really? 
Oh yeah, that's how he cleaned himself too, with toilet paper and shit. And just like he, yeah, Mike was the ultimate germaphobe. It's crazy to think you get in wrestling and you're germaphobe. Yeah. Andy writes in when a match like the uh, 10 man tag at WrestleMania 10 gets canceled due to time constraints. Do the talent still get paid since the match being cut was out of their control? Of course. Concuss Jones writes in who's the worst driver, Rikishi or Dave Silva? Oh, is there any, I mean, is there any debate? Really? It's gotta be Rikishi. I don't know. I don't know that Rikishi's ever like screwed up rims on rolls. What? Several rolls Royces. Oh my God. In fairness, and Rikishi did hit a motherfucker. I don't think they've hit anybody yet. He hit the car. You know what though? Now that I'm thinking about it, Rikishi did it on purpose because he did it for the rock. Whereas yeah. Silva did it for chicken mini. The chicken. Yeah. Chicken biscuits too. And here's the thing about what Silva did. Okay. Silva wasn't even getting chicken biscuits for himself. Yeah. He was and getting, he wasn't getting chicken biscuits. He was getting some other kind of fucking like, uh, egg biscuits at a chicken place. And then destroyed one of your Rolls Royces. His only friend, his only friend's yeah. vehicle. Yeah. Cause since exactly. you went back, you quit talking to him as well. You should. Yeah, I, I can't. I, I I don't know how There's I can no contain time. myself to to talk to someone who just destroys other people's property with such blatant disregard. So just clear in a loud, clear voice, please state Dave Silva is never welcome to drive one of your vehicles, right? Dave Silva will never drive one of my vehicles ever. He ain't getting in the pickup. He ain't getting in the old Dodge Dart. He ain't getting in none of them. Listen to you. What? Um, I've got my 1984. Oh uh, God. You're pulling my dad's pickup now. Yeah. What? I, I know all about your rods. I got Con my Dodge Dart. Concussed Jones, right? 76. In your opinion, why does the Undertaker never get mentioned in the Mount Rushmore of wrestling debate? I think he should be. But why do you think he's not? Because of the care because it's such a strong character that maybe folks just think that is a separate thing. Well, I think people get, get skewed with, I, I don't know, with, with their own territorial likes. Yeah. Uh, any Mark Eaton stories? Uh, not really. I mean, Mark was the guy that threw the beers to stone cold, Steve Austin and rarely ever missed. Michael writes in, was there ever a time you saw a talent come in and thought, well, he's not going to make it, but they actually did. I'm sure there's a lot of them. Um, John Cena, maybe John Cena, maybe no, you know what? I mean, Cena was one of those that had the drive and the attitude that he was going to make it no matter what Cena was the kind of guy you wanted to root for because he did have such drive and dedication and it wasn't anything he wouldn't do. I'm just meaning, you know, when you, you told us before on the show, when you first met him, you should get on when you first see him. Yeah. Oh, but that wasn't his fault. Right? No, I agree. You know, you kind of look at him and go, eh, you know, and then, then there were guys like Sylvester Turkai, wonderful fucking guy, hell of an amateur, great look, looked like a reincarnation of bruiser Brody. But for whatever reason, I think that Sylvester was probably too nice for the business. Cause you couldn't get that asshole out of him to be more believable in the ring when the camera was on. 
the Rosen coaster writes in name five wrestlers past or present. You'd like to self quarantine with God, none. <laughs> um, I'm going to self quarantine. I'm self quarantining with myself. It's all I need. You'd probably self quarantine with dusty and Roddy. Oh God. Dusty and I'd kill each other. Uh, Roddy and I would have fun. No, actually, Dusty would be fun. Bris- Dusty would be fun to fuck with. Brisco. Oh, God. We'd kill each other, too. We have been. Dude, we have been quarantined when they had a snowstorm blizzard and the state of Maryland declared an emergency and a shelter in place because this blizzard was so bad. And Jerry and I were out at like a residence inn out by the airport with no room service, no nothing, and everything was closed down in town. Well, everybody else was at a nice hotel downtown with room service and all that other shit. So, yeah, Jerry, as far as surviving, yeah, Jerry and I do just fine. Chris Holloman writes, why is it WWE buries WCW for putting Hogan Goldberg on Nitro, but then act like it's no big deal that they were going to put Austin Brock on Raw as a King of the Ring qualifier? At least Hogan Goldberg was for the championship. Yeah. So they should have gotten a payday out of it and they should have gotten a pay-per-view out of it. The Austin Brock storyline was something that we were going to do and kind of do in the storyline of the King of the Ring tournament and to get Brock over. But it was something that we wanted to come back and build off of later on when we did have a title or something more at stake. So there, there was a method to the madness. It wasn't just a throwaway match and something that we, it wasn't money at that time, but it was intriguing as hell at that time. And with the result of Brock going over, I think that would have been, you know, it was the result after the fact that you build off of. So I think it's just a differing, a differing of opinions as far as how that goes. Chris fault writes in why do faces rarely ever help other faces when they're being attacked by heels, unless they are directly involved in the storyline. seems like half the locker room are dicks for not helping out a fellow fan favorite. Yeah, I agree. They are dicks. And no arguing that Bob writes in, does Bruce ever pretend to be Vince over the headset to the announcers during a live broadcast just to fuck with them? <laughs> uh, no, I, I have my own ways of fucking with them. I haven't, but I will this Friday. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the idea. Yeah. Uh, Dan writes in, what would it have sounded like if Jerry Jarrett sang Sean Michaels theme song? Uh, fuck Jerry Jarrett. Stu wants to know why the change from red, white, and blue ropes. Just, uh, just to be different. And I always liked the red, white, and blue ropes, but I like the blue ropes, all blue better. I just think it's a cleaner look and, and looks a lot better. Wild thing. Tony King, uh, tries to get over with his name and then writes in, does Vince have a special meal? He likes to eat protein. Yeah. I mean, you, you've often said on here, dry pasta, dry chicken, or like a plain potato and a filet, something like that. Hang on one sec. Sorry. Oh, oh God damn it. WrestleMania's. All right, let's get back to it. Uh, Tony Cologne writes in, what are your thoughts on the Raven character, especially his run in ACW? Do you think that his run in WWE could have been handled better if they would have given him similar creative? 
I think if it had been new, maybe. I think that the Raven character, when it was introduced into ECW from day one, was intriguing as hell. I thought it was great. And there was a mystique about it. By the time that they had done all their crucifixion angles and it had gotten as dark as it had gotten, I think it had kind of run its course. And and I just didn't think that, I just really didn't think it fit. And um, it was great. It was a great character for ECW. And they did well with it. But beyond that, I don't know that it really fit any other company. And that was, I don't know that Scotty was always uh, as quick to want to modify that character to, to make it change. And he did that off of how well it worked in ECW when it first came in because it was unique and it was different. And, and I thought it was cool as shit in the beginning. Uh, Michael Scott Ferry writes in, I can't remember if you discussed this, but I listened to a recording of the steroid trial transcripts. And I believe it's Vince's attorney, Laura Brevetti, who uses the phrase rumor and innuendo uh, rumor and innuendo multiple times is your use of rumor and innuendo a nod to Vince's attorneys? That is a fun question. I don't guess we've ever really dug into before. Is that, uh, is that maybe where you first heard that phrase? No, I don't ever remember hearing it. I no, I, maybe I did subconsciously, but no rumor and innuendo is just, you get hit with it so much that people read shit, of uh, false reporting and all this other bullshit. I mean, the phrase, the phrase, you know, rumor and innuendo. Yeah. It's just something that, that you get hit with a lot. When you look at something and somebody says something to you, you say, mm, that's a fucking rumor or they, the innuendo of it. It's just crazy. Spanish announce table writes in, in his prime, how many roads could dusty roads dust? If dusty roads could dust roads. If dusty could dust roads, dusty would be dusting a minute. Dusty roads, the dusty roads could ride down into the dusty road of the dustiness of the dusty road. Dodge Singh writes in, how, how micromanaged is TV? Uh, could you still go off script and get away with it? Or is it a case of future endeavors? And I'm sure this comes from, uh, you and I have discussed before when there was a professional rivalry between triple H and the rock. And you gave the advice to the rock rock. It's live TV. And it was just sort of understood with a wink and a nod, go get over as dusty used to say something like that still exists or it's just, that was a different time and place now. I think it does. I think that there is that opportunity. And what I mean by that is you take the opportunity where you're out on live television and everything is live now. So go out and get over, go out and make whatever material and whatever opportunity that you're given, make it your own and make it the very best it can be and go get over. Four last ones here. Jeff writes in, why didn't Lex Luger ever use the torture rack during his time in the WWF? Obviously there may have been issues using it against Shokozuna, but his first big feud was against Mr. Perfect. There certainly wouldn't have been a problem. It is interesting that, you know, a lot of times when you see guys jump from one company to another company, they keep the same finishing maneuver. Not the case for Lex Luger here, abandoning the torture rack. Yeah. Well, it was something that, you know, again, that usually for your finish, you want to have something you can do on anybody and everybody and just trying to make it work. Torture rack was something that you probably have a little difficulty on some guys, 
So let's make it a little simpler. Conrad and Bruce, this is from Aaron Hilton. Conrad and Bruce often talk about comps with events. What constitutes a comp? Is there a set number of comps for each show? Who receives them? How is it decided how the comps are dispersed? Do talent have to request comps? And is there a request by date if they want them? I guess we've never really talked about the business of comp tickets here on the show. Give everybody a, a quick tutorial. Well, comps are what you give out to radio stations and they can be they're used as currency. So for is giveaways and prizes for people. But if you have friends or in high places and they're connected to the company and they're able to get comp comps for complimentary tickets and the radio thing, we should explain you're, you're trading the essentially for free publicity on the radio station. The idea being you may give a radio station 20 tickets and then the radio station uses these tickets as bait to get people to continue listening. Like, Hey, coming up in the next hour, we've got ringside tickets for WWE, which is coming to town next Friday. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster, but you don't have to buy them. Stay tuned in the next hour. We're going to get your ringside up next Nirvana. And so that gets people to keep listening to the station. It didn't cost WWE any money. It didn't cost the station any money. It was a nice little trade. So you would usually flood the market radio and TV and, and things like that. Just trying to raise awareness and get some extra mentions about your event. And then, yeah, if you've got, you know, friends or family or celebrities or somebody that is a friend of the company that you want to get some comps to, they ask for them. That's right. And then we do, you know, you do what you can, but a lot of times, you know, when an event is completely sold out, there, there are no comps. And so there are times, especially when you get into a market like Los Angeles or New York, where the event is legitimately sold out and whatever comps there are, are that pool is already used up. Then there are no comps for talent. Mark writes in, did Dr. Tom ever have to beat anyone up who picked on you when you were children? And also what was the biggest childhood fight between you and Dr. Tom and who won? Well, let's be clear. Um, I never want to fight against Tom. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And I don't know that uh, Tom's a mean motherfucker. Uh, a double tough son, bitch. I'm a three time black belt hall of famer, but did he ever protect me? Not that I know of. No, I usually let me get my ass kicked or do whatever I had to do, but he definitely kicked my ass plenty of times. And probably the worst fight we ever got is when I called his girlfriend a bitch Mm. and my parents weren't home. And he beat the living shit out of me and put me to bed. Like literally physically put me to bed. Did, uh, did you wind up marrying that girlfriend? No. So you caught an ass whooping for a girlfriend. Yeah. That's she went and she was a bitch <laughs> and he learned that later. <laughs> and so did you call him and say, see, I was right. Alex. Oh, he up. knows that now he knows. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've laughed about it since then. I mean, but no, he's brutal. Uh, last one. This one's from Joe. He writes in Paul Heyman has said he was supposed to be managing Chris Benoit after WrestleMania 18. Instead, Vince changed his mind and Paul started managing Brock Lesnar instead. Uh, does Bruce have any memory of this? Maybe a, pro- a proposed Benoit Heyman pairing. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it was proposed to help 
Chris with his uh, verbal skills, but I think Brock, you know, coming in at the time, and Brock definitely needed a mouthpiece. Um, it's just better fit. Well, and we hope that this was a good fit for you guys this week. We apologize for uh, having to break the show up a little bit today. Lots of moving parts in WWE these days, so we're doing our best to bring you new content every single week. We're excited to be back here with you next week for WrestleMania 11. The week after that, it'll be WrestleMania 21. WrestleMania season is upon us. Be sure to tune in tonight. Live, SmackDown, Fox. Uh, man, you guys have had uh, some interesting times. It's going to be a fun show tonight, though, isn't it? You better believe it, by God. Every Friday's a fun damn show. Check it out, and don't forget to check us out right here next week. Another something to wrestle, this time WrestleMania 11. And we also want to put a bug in your ear. We're doing a new concept with Patreon. It's got bonus shows all week. It's kicking off on Monday, March 30th. We'll give you all the information you need right here next week. So stay tuned, and we'll see you soon right here on Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. And be kind to one another. These are some crazy times we're going through, folks. So be kind to each other. Be patient, and we'll all get through it. Just like Shaka And if you're thinking about like, you know, like having a lunch, but you can't go out, got nowhere to go, man. Well, you know, just check out Pancho Villa because he's always hungry, man. He's always down for like having some good shit or whatever. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.